Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. John 13, and just a few verses from there. Uh, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. There are Christians know what they should do, but don't do them. And therefore, they miss a blessing. It's a great blessing in this passage. Which is wonderful. Okay, so now Jesus shocked his disciples uh, yesterday. We were looking at that. They were shocked that this this Lord and Master is doing such a servant thing, such a servile thing. And you know, we looked at how Jesus shocks us. Knowing Jesus and getting to know him more actually should surprise us because he is holy. Now, when you think of holy, you think, well, up there, holy just means. It means separate, other. It's, he is different from us. So yesterday we were amazed that he loves us. He loves us even to the end. And we're, we're, we are shocked that Jesus isn't like us in his relationship with us. He doesn't get put off us. He doesn't deny us. He doesn't uh, push us away even when we sin. Even when we don't care about him. He's just holy. Isn't that a relief? Yeah. Relief that he's not like us at all. And then we saw last yesterday that <laughs> the, show, the gospel shows us we don't have to make ourselves lovable to God. <laughs> She's off. But we don't have to make ourselves lovable at all to God. But we think we do. We think to get his attention, to get his approval. I've got to act in a certain way to make him love me. And we know actually he already loves us. And because we put our faith in Jesus, we are his own. Uh, and uh, we are his friends. And if we think we aren't all that bad, then God's grace will never impact us and will never change us. And we saw yesterday, we need to know what we're really like. And if we don't feel we're that bad, we'll never appreciate grace and never fully get changed. God wants to change us. We need a righteousness, a power to live that's beyond ourselves. And that comes through grace. As we start to trust in God, we have this power to live a different life. So a Christian can actually say, it's not that I cannot sin, but I can not sin. I have the ability to say no to sin. I have the ability to choose righteousness. It's not I cannot sin, because I can, and I will. But I have the power... Not to sin. Right, so today I want us to develop actually the change that's required. See, he's saying something here is outrageous to normal men and women. Are you telling us the greatest people are those who serve the most? That's what he's saying. He's saying you've got to be unselfish. I like that. I like to have a world that's rotating around me all the time. And it requires a change in us. Now, we can't change ourselves. 
but we can put us, ourselves in the way of God changing us, and we respond to that. And it comes through grace. Now, there was a problem in the early church. And the problem was that it had grown so fast, and they were daily getting food for the widows. Uh, obviously, we needed to look after them. We still need to look after the widows. And what was happening, the Jewish-speaking uh, widows seemed to be getting more food than the Greek-speaking widows. So when you get a church growth, sometimes you get problems. You've never been in a church where people have been murmuring and mumbling, have you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't find it here at all. And I've actually not, I've been blessed by not having to, I know some ministers, you know, that people just moan envelopes and all sorts of stuff. But there was a murmuring. Say, so, wait, so this is their response. The, the apostles, the twelve, said this. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip. What happened to Stephen, by the way? Yeah, first martyr, wasn't he? Great man, whatever. Now, although the problem was generated by one particular group, it affected the whole church. Therefore, they had to find a whole church solution, a church-wide solution. And it's interesting that they, they, they hand it over to the people. Who do you recognize are people full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom? And they chose these guys. Philip was one of them. They needed to be spiritually mature men. Philip was going to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. Are you full of the Spirit? Are you Spirit-filled? Now, I talked to several people. Yeah, I got filled with the Spirit in 2023. Well, no, 2023. I got filled with the Spirit 20 years ago, 10 years ago. The question is, are you being filled now? You see, if we have to serve the Lord and have the power to change and be unselfish, we need the Holy Spirit as much for that as we do to prophesy. Let's be frank. Don't you need the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Yes. But we need to be full of the Spirit. So the question would be, do you daily draw upon the well of Holy Spirit in you so that you can step out on your day? And you can sometimes think, well, I, I'm not good enough to receive the Spirit. So I come back to, of course you are. Jesus was good enough, wasn't he? Yeah. You don't receive the Spirit by doing good works, do you? No. You don't receive the Holy Spirit today. I won't be filled today by the Holy Spirit because I've been very good and dutiful and praying and whatever. I receive the Holy Spirit by faith. So when Jesus says, is anyone thirsty? Come to me and drink. He says, he who believes in me from the innermost being will flow rivers of living water, which is, he says is talking of the Spirit. So if I have to be with the Spirit today, it's got nothing to do with my performance or how I'm feeling. It's to do that actually I believe in Jesus. And he says, if I'm thirsty, I can drink. So I daily don't have a church me and a work me. When I was teaching for four and a half years, I went to teach, I can't pray all the time, I can talk to kids, but constantly I was aware that I'm doing this as worship, and the Holy Spirit's going to help me teach, put up with some of these lovely children. <clears throat> so, so what the Lord wants us is to practice the presence of God daily, wherever we are. So if someone 
we found quite early on, Jenny and I, that, that, that all would answer our prayers just like that. Whether we'd had a quiet time, as they call it, it's not really quiet, uh, a time, or not, because I'm available. So if Adam here comes to me and says, oh, Christ, I'm really interrupt today, I'm worried about something, so, oh, that's tough, we talk about it. What's better than talk about it? Go and pray. We just pray. And we expect the Holy Spirit to come. Why? Not because we are spirit. Why? But actually because Jesus is Lord and he loves you. And he will give his spirit to those who ask. So I'm asking for the spirit to come and bless you. All right? You need to sort it out too, don't you? <laughs> so for Philip, they're looking for people not just, you know, a wise, but they're for the spirit. And I think we need to respect Jesus and receive the spirit daily. He does not expect him to want to... Is that your feelings coming out? <laughs> we need to respect Jesus by receiving his spirit. We need to respect Jesus by being his friends and demonstrating our friendship to the world around us. We don't have to wait for meetings, do we? That's the joy of the Christian life. Your life, genuine life, you plan things, but it's made of accidents, interruptions. Do you agree? That is life. So if I've got the spirit with me when an accident or interruption, uh, whatever I say, interruption happens, actually, I can trust the Lord's with me in those, whether I've had hours on my knees or not, whether I've been worshipping God or not. And it's this divide that God wants to break in us. So that there's an overflow of his grace and his spirit coming in every situation I find myself. Philip's ministry begins with availability. Are you available? In other words, are you available to serve? <laughs> he, it develops, as we see, won't take us long, from this humble serving at tables to becoming a mighty evangelist, leading a revival. It's his heart attitude and his faith in the power of God that brought him into a place that God could use him so powerfully. He was quick to serve. I'll be one of those. What is your amazing ministry? Making sure there's enough food for the Greek-speaking widows as well as the Jewish-speaking widows. You have to start with what you can do, don't you? You don't stop because what you can't do. God's given us all we need to get started. I put down here, too many people never begin because they want to be able to sing like Tim Hughes, preach like Billy Graham, or write like C.S. Lewis. <laughs> I put here, the woods would be very silent if the only birds that sang were those that sang the best, which Julie reminded of this morning and said she did a, um, a botanical illustration. God would say, look, begin to weave and I will give you the thread. Start to serve and I will give you, in the spirit, all that's needed and you might be surprised what you actually begin to accomplish. Dickens' famous quote, whatever I've tried to do in life, I've tried to do it well. Whatever I've devoted myself to, I've devoted myself completely. In great aims and in small, I've always thoroughly been in earnest. <laughs> well, these seven men they chose actually were obviously willing to grab a towel. And I'm going to challenge you. Are you willing to grab a towel? They were willing to do whatever was needed, not what they felt gifted to do. They were available. And I think God's looking for people who are available to serve him. Not just in washing up, but 
serving others. And as we actually begin to offer that and allow the spirit to use that, we will grow in grace, but also he'll get great, great honor. Mm. Um, people could have said, Peter, Philip could have said, I'm not called or anointed to serve other tables. I'm an anointed evangelist with a signs and wonders ministry, which we see he has. He didn't say that. He and other six men had an attitude that said, what needs doing, not here's what I do. Yeah. Some people come to a church, especially a small church plant. I think I come here because I can do what I do. We don't like that, do we? We love people who say, well, I'm here, what can I do? I'm thrilled at the serving attitude in this church, Ben. I find everyone mucks in. And I think what you're doing by doing that you're saying when other people come in, they have modelled to them a serving attitude, which is Christ-like. It's like Christ, isn't it? It's not to do with how great you are and worship this and the other. It's that serving attitude. And he's thrilled by that. It's going to become a hallmark of this church. Amen? Amen. Amen. I think as we develop and grow, we'll need more and more folks as they come in to learn this. But what needs doing is not a microphone or a title, but you need to grab a towel. Yeah. And we can all do that, can't we? Jesus had said this to them earlier, actually, before the, the upper room discourse. He called them together. He said, you know that the rulers of Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them? Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He was... Or <laughs> change. He was calling his disciples to be unselfish, to change their view of greatness, to change their attitude. And his love and gentleness is what motivated them to change. Who is it that serves most in your home? It's annoying, you know, I think some of our wives are going to get so much reward in heaven. Oh, rats, you know. <laughs> I need to do my bit. Who is it serves most in our church here? They're the great ones. Sometimes it's someone who is willing to do the Christ again or go out and do the kids' work. They'd rather be sitting even listen to me. But they're the great ones in this church. When God looks here, he says, who's, who's been great this weekend? It's those who've actually served the most. They're not doing the show off. If they do, that's their reward. <laughs> what a state our family life will be in if jobs around the house depended upon the family members gifting, calling and anointing. How about this? Can you imagine your teenage son or daughter saying, I don't feel called to pick up dirty clothes off the floor and put them in the laundry basket. It's not my calling. <laughs> I tidied my room up, but I don't think I have that anointing for that kind of ministry. <laughs> I don't think my ministry is washing up or drying up. I mean, could you imagine what life would be like? And yet some of them would try to do that, I think, wouldn't they? It's no one's gift to pick up, tidy up, or take the rubbish out. No one's anointed to wash up make the beds or hoover the carpet. It's everybody's job. Moody said this, there are many of us that are willing to do great things for the Lord, but few of us willing to do the little things. 
You don't have to wait for a title to do a task that's caring. I like this. Mm. You don't need a platform to do something practical. You don't have to look for a calling to show that you care. Jesus would say, don't wait for a title or a microphone. Grab a towel. Mm. So are you one that grabs a towel when something he's doing? Or you sit back and let others do it because laziness, probably selfishness, pride, or ignorance. They're not aware of it. Jesus is saying here, whoever wants to be great among you in this room must be your servant. And that's where you find a mature Christian. A mature Christian is one that very knows his Bible or her Bible and is very gifted in prophetic or evangelistic or even teaching. A mature Christian is one who looks like who? Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> you look like Jesus. And that actually can only grow over years of serving him. But the great ones here are those who serve the most. Are you the one that quickly says, oh, I'll wash up. Now I'll make the coffee. I'll babysit for you, not you, Sharon. You do it lovingly anyway. <laughs> I'll put the rubbish out for at church. I'm going to support um, I'm going to support Skip and Julie in their home group this week. There's several things I could do. Actually, only one of us can go because of the kids. That's not easy, is it? The other one's got to say, I'll release you. You go to Skip and Julie's home group, support and pray for the church. I'll be there for the kids if they wake up. It needs to be intentional. If you're going to do that, you're going to have to agree together. This is what we do. And some of us are so used to being together as a couple. That's quite difficult. I'll clear away. I'll greet any visitors. Actually, you're good at that. When new people turn up, so many of you find your way over to them and say, hi, who are you? Wow. They're the real heroes of our churches. <laughs> and Jesus had said, as you know, bless you if you know these things, that you actually do them. <laughs> now, what blessing is he talking about? The blessing comes in many ways when you do something like this, you know? You can, uh, uh, you have a pleasure, you bring pleasure to God. So when you do something like that, I mean, early on, I thought, right, I'll serve my wife, you know, but I wanted her attention. So if I went out and did the washing up and dry up without her asking, I mean, learn it, eat it, learn it, come out, what are you doing? Oh, nothing, you know. That's the reward you get. But actually, when you do it sneakily, Secretly, I mean, I went out this morning. There was there was Ian knee deep in suds, soapy suds, doing stuff. He's not on the rotor, but actually, Jesus saw that and thought, "That's my boy." Mm. Yeah. And you didn't do it for that. You just knew I want to express just Christ likeness. Got on with it. And I think what's that's what's lovely. Sometimes you do something and no one knows how much it's cost you. Uh, and sometimes you're laying your life down, as we're seeing in a minute, for your family. And it's costing you in terms of tiredness or whatever. But you do it because it brings pleasure to God. Is he watching you? Wow. Another thing is you forget about your own selfish wants. We're not nice when we just think about us all the time. You know, you talk to some people and they all, oh, hello, and they just talk about themselves. And you go, oh, uh, hi. <laughs> uh, um, I'm Andrew. Uh, what? Or Andy. You always know a really humble person, Christ-like person, because <laughs> they actually are interested in you. Mm. Doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? But the fruit of the Spirit grows in a mature Christian. 
They're actually interested in who you are. They want to bless you. Yes, of course, they can share themselves for themselves, but their heart is to be a blessing. So they're looking. They learn just to serve wherever they are, serving even in a conversation. Can I help you? Can I bless you? Another blessing comes that actually it makes us realize that we're like Jesus. It reminds us that Jesus actually had the biggest sacrifice. And of course, the final blessing will be this. There are rewards in heaven. If Jesus says, if you give a cup of water to one of these, my disciples, great will be your reward. You think, wow, a cup of water. But if you've given a full-class meal or, or, or you've served in a hundred ways, like you have, many of you have, just think of the reward. Now, you're not doing it primarily for the rewards, but you'll be foolish if you don't receive those awards if they're offered to you. Mm. Amen? Yeah. It's, it, it seems super spiritual. I just do this. I'm not expecting any reward. For <laughs> goodness sake, if Jesus says, as we see in a minute, if you've been paid for the little, I'm going to give you more. That's not respecting Jesus. Oh, no, oh, no, not more, Lord. No, please. Jesus says, I'm going to be blessed. You'll be blessed if you do them. And I find just like, I remember going to home group so many times on a Wednesday night. And I've been an elder in churches for years, but Jane and I are always a member of our home group. We think elders should be in a home group because they understand that's what life's all about. You know, people phone up, they've got this, unwell. Blah, blah, blah. But I found I go sometimes feeling completely spent. Oh, man. But I go... And as I start to meet, and the Lord starts to do stuff, and then I start praying for people, they're praying for me, I come away much stronger and more awake than I went. So I've learned that to serve invigorates me. To serve actually thrills God. To serve makes I'm like, means I'm like Christ. To serve gives me rewards, which I like now, but they're going to be in heaven, okay? Also, it shows the extent of his love. But it says that when, when uh, Jesus uh, washed their feet, just at the beginning, John says in those early verses, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Hmm. Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Wow. It's unselfish, isn't it? Yeah, I used to look at that and think, wow, wow. And actually, it's, it's in the small that I obey this. When I was, had kids, it was me changing the nappy for my wife. Wow! Now you might think, well, fine. But that's a sacrifice. Helping my wife do stuff. Coming home from work after a full day quite late with clubs after school, so I was getting in about six. And, he, and then just giving my time to my kids. Not just sitting down, waiting to be waited for. That is sacrifice. But that is honouring, respecting Jesus. It's being practical. At work, spending some time with a staff member who's, who's, who's struggling. And you really want to get away, but you know they've got to talk. That's sacrificial. Love. Going and pick somebody up to home group when you, your time's late. Oh, come on, I've got to run. No, I picked her up. 
going visiting her, widow. I had a chat with a 96-year-old the other day, and I just went over to pray with her. She's not in my current church, she's in the church I was in Exeter. And I went there, do you know, she did me more good than I did her. But that is what that's all about. It's not actually physically dying. Paul put it like this. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show the all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. But we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. That's the principle. It's the principle that if I'm going to die to myself in my home, for example, actually it's going to give life to my children, life to my wife. If I die to my own wants, it's going to bring life to others. Do you understand? Yeah. Sorry, guys, it's a life principle, girls. It's, that's it. So I'm pouring myself out. And sometimes we've got to understand, especially you mums, when you give so much to your little ones, Jesus would say, as as much as you do it to these, the least of my brethren, you do it to me. You don't often see that when they're squalling and squeaking. And you have to whatever, but that is expressing Christ-likeness. And, and, and so we're often doing it naturally. We need just to realise this is part of worship. You say, well, everybody should care for their kids, of course. But when you're a Christian, when you're walking with Jesus, when you do that, you are realising of another dimension, that actually you're dying to yourself and you're bringing life to someone else. Now, Philip demonstrated these attitudes and values he just got on with the job. And, and so Jesus, when he says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. One of his parables, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I'll set you over much. Because he was faithful and willing to serve with food and widows, God said, right, I've got a special bit of work for you to do. Look how God used him here. <coughs> In Acts 8, we see Philip in action. Those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Revival hit Samaria, and Samaria were the cursed lot. They hated the Jews, and the Jews hated the Samaritans. And yet, Philip here is bringing in revival, which is great. <laughs> Leadership has very little to do with what you do, and is fundamentally a matter of becoming who you are. So as you serve in whatever area you find, you are developing a leadership skill. We were just chatting earlier. You're just getting on with a for a group. Already, people are looking to you. Oh, wow, well, what's going on here, you're saying? And, and the good news is this. Elders just wash more feet. All right? Elders are not a position. It's a role. It's a loving task. Wow. Become... 
through humility and faith in his grace, the person God wants you to be, and you'll be surprised if God will, what God will trust you to do next. Philip is full of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, yet he's available to serve. And God said, right, you've been serving widows with, with food. I'm going to actually get you to serve by bringing a revival in. Yeah. Wow. Amazing, isn't it? Now, Philip, you'll see in a minute, is whisked away to a desert road. Philip and I were just talking about the other day. But just before he went, they realised, well, let's read this together, what was happening with this revival. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So they were born again of the Spirit, like you know, when you get saved, it's, it's like the boiler goes on. The light goes on. The Spirit's there. But they hadn't yet been filled and soaked in the Spirit, baptised in the Spirit. And it's interesting how God says, I'm going to use my apostles for this next advance of getting in the Spirit to fill them completely. The Spirit was so important. It was not good enough just to get them baptised, born again, Spirit in them. They needed to be filled with the Spirit. Can I ask you again today, have you known the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life? Jesus wants you to receive the Spirit. He wants you to actually go on receiving the Spirit. Because he wants the job done in the power of the Spirit. And Philip himself wasn't just available and willing to serve. He had to be a man full of the Spirit and wisdom. So Peter and John come down to encourage new believers. Wow, they haven't got the power of the Spirit in them. Wow, what did they do? Lay on hands. Often that's the way. Not always the way. But hands can be laid on. Not that the person laying on the hands you know, is just the conduit, but it's a demonstration of actually God's blessing of, on people. Of course, they realised that these people, it was their right. They followed Jesus because Peter said it's the promise to you. Do you remember in Acts 2? He says here, uh, Peter says, repent, be baptised every one of you for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for, there it goes, the promise is for you, and for your children, and for all who are far off, in Blackpool, everyone, <coughs> in the Lord, God calls to himself. So the apostles went, prayed for them, and we don't know all the demonstration. It must have been a right a, a, a manifestation of the Spirit. I expect some people just received quietly. Others would have spoken in tongues for the first time. Others would have just praised God. Hallelujah! Others would have prophesied, the Lord is a good God. He will visit even the poorest person with his power. They would, it, it was so going on that the guy who's a sorcerer in town, okay, the, the main sorcerer, <laughs> what's his name? Simon, yeah, that's right. Uh, actually, he comes to Peter and, and John and says, how much? I like this gift. I like to pray, you know, lay hands on people. Uh, uh, how much is it going to cost? Obviously, Peter gives him an earful. He's rebuked. Said you're in dodgy ground, etc. But obviously, the power of the Spirit. And when we're filled with the Spirit, there is something that really engages us, happens in us. We know we're filled with the Spirit. And I'd be happy to pray with anybody today. 
who would love to be filled with the Spirit. It's a pleasure, it's a privilege, it's your right to have the Spirit. But also, God wants you to respect Jesus and receive the Spirit and go in your normal daily life knowing the Spirit can overflow from these rivers deep within you. Sometimes people are praying, you're praying, or pray for me to be filled, and if they're Christian, they're waiting for something to come upon them. Now that can happen when you're anointed for a certain job. But normally what happens is, what did Jesus say? If we're seeing it, if you believe in me, out of his belly or innermost being will flow. So if we're to be filled with the Spirit, we're not waiting for, where's, where's, where's going? Actually, I'm born again. The Spirit lives in me. I'm going to let him fill me now. Whoops. <laughs> fill, my, fill my heart. Fill my mind, fill my will. To my will. You try to get the right order for me, Mum. Yeah. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Thank you. My name. <laughs> what happens though, we know, if you're filled with the Spirit daily or for the first time, what we see is this. People are released in praise and often receive a new prayer language. They overflow with thankfulness and praise. They experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't worry too much, Ben. But what is important is they begin to worship God. Did you notice that, some of you, when you got filled with the Spirit? Instead of singing a hymn, you actually engaged with Him. Do you ever, I know my church, the Baptist church, they would say, why are you singing that for the third time? You've said it already. Yeah? yeah? And you have to say, excuse me, I'm not just singing facts here. I'm engaging with God. This is prayer to him. And so I'm actually having a time where the song is a vehicle for me to enjoy God and to love him. It's not just facts with tongue, it's sit down. And they think, oh, oh right. And I suddenly realise, oh crumbs, they're not aware of the Holy Spirit daily, just feeling from their innermost being. Uh, they, they've been born again, the Spirit's there, but it's up here. And they're not living in the good of the Spirit flowing from deep within them. Jesus knew that some of us may have to overcome barriers in order to be filled, even as I'm talking today. Notice this. Notice these three things. The doubt that can be there. The fear that can be there. The inadequacy. Jesus says, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find, not, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, guess what? Receives. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then know you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Can you see how he's dealing with? He's dealing with doubt. Everyone who asks. Are you an everyone? Yeah. Yeah. No one special. Everyone who asks. People don't get the Spirit. Don't get God filling them. Don't get saved because. Because they don't ask. James says you have not because you ask not. What about fear? Or crumbs? Ah, uh, what if I suddenly... Do a somersault. What, what if I cry? Or what if I fall down? Or speak out loudly? And Jesus said, oh, hold on, hold on. He's saying here, look, 
If you ask for a fish, a good father won't give you a snake. You ask for an egg, won't give you a skull. In other words, stop worrying. I'll fill you. I'll fill you in the way that's best for you. The way that will bless you. And if it takes you out of your comfort zone, it will just be a blessing for you. And then some feel inadequate. They say, oh, well, I'm not as spiritual as Ben or Fred or Charlie or Jill. Actually, he says, how much more? And the question is, would you like, if you had the money, to give a good gift to your kids? Of course you would, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. How much more? Says the fight. So what we're seeing here, we're seeing this Jesus that's turning us upside down and saying he's not like us. We're seeing also saying, I just want to give you my spirit. And there's pains in me that you won't receive the spirit. I've done all you need to get the spirit. I've died for you. I've risen again. I've made you righteous. You're my child. You're my own. I, I don't want to send you out into the world with guns with no bullets in. <laughs> I want you to have the spirit. It, the spirit's for you daily. You don't have to go around mystically or wait till church. No, the Spirit's there for you. And if you were willing to step out, you'll find the Spirit will flow. If you're willing to serve. So if I prophesy, I'm serving you. If I make you a cup of tea, I'm serving you. If I rub your back, I'm serving you. If I have a word of knowledge, I'm serving you. If I pray for you, I'm just serving you. But I can only give you what God gives me to give you. Do you understand? So I need to be filled with the Spirit. That's why I'm challenging you to this weekend to keep being Spirit conscious. See, I can only bless. If I pray for Ben, I can pray a blessing on him. But I want to give more. I want God to bless him. So I'm, re I'm receiving with the Spirit start to pray for you. And I can only give him something of the Spirit that will bless him. I'll still pray for you. But I want God to come. I want God to do his work. As we break bread this morning, it'd be lovely to say, yeah, I'm available like Philip. I'll serve. I'll be like Jesus. I'll die. Even at home, when no one can see except the wife and the kids. I want to live it out there at work. But more than that, I want to be filled with the Spirit so that my service has real anointing and bless. So Jesus said this. On the last and greatest day of the feast that we're in, he said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Yeah. Whoever, I think you're a whoever, believes in me, yeah. as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now look at that. If anyone is thirsty, and in my daily life, whatever, I'm often thirsty. And especially if I want to serve, Lord, I need help here. Holy Spirit, come help me. Not someone who's spiritual, not someone who's religious, not someone who's clever, not some, it could be a person who's been a Christian for five minutes. If they're thirsty, where do they go? Come to, it's Jesus you go to. So when we pray for one another, it's Jesus that fills them, not our great prayers. And what we say there, look, whoever believes in me, 
So we've got to go and drink, which means we've got to receive. Okay, Lord, I received your spirit today. But whoever believes in me, so it's a matter of faith. It's not a matter of I feel today, I want it. I feel I'm in the mood today. I feel qualified. No, it's in grace. You'll never be qualified. Jesus qualified you. Hallelujah. Right? Therefore, you come and say, right. Okay. I believe in you. Therefore, streams of living water will flow from within me. Got to be done. Do you understand? It's a faith issue. But some of us don't get there. We can't wait for church. So no, in my car, fill me, Lord. That will help me as I pray a few things. Help me pray in tongues if I speak in tongues. But, but what's happening there is a faith issue. Do I trust Jesus? Did I say to you yesterday, a lot of people believe in God, but don't believe God. They believe in God like the devil does. But they don't believe him. They don't trust him. And God's saying, I want you to trust me through your day. Believe me. You're righteous through Jesus. I've saved you. You're my child. Now I'm calling you to go. I'm calling you to lay your life down. I'm calling you to take up your cross and serve me. And as you do that in the power of the Spirit, you pray. Some of you have prayed prayers in your car that have helped people, and you don't realize it till you get to heaven. And the Father will say, That prayer you prayed at those traffic lights <laughs> actually served my kingdom. But it's being fully filled again and again. And notice, by the way, it flows from within us. Because the Spirit lives in your spirit. And He's flowing within us. And He puts this in here, of course. He said, up to that time, the Spirit hadn't been given. So this was the only time people had to wait. It was because yet Jesus had not yet died and risen and been glorified. Now the day He was glorified, hallelujah. And then, as you know, Pentecost happened. Whoosh! Down came the Spirit. So Philip was a man... Who just served. He served practically. But as he served and began to be who he should be, God said, I can trust you, boy. Here's a revival. Now listen to this. He's in the midst of this revival, healings going on, deliverance, lots of demons coming out, amazing revival. Peter and John come down. What happens to Philip? Suddenly God says, Right, out. Philip goes and stands on a desert road. Oh, great. There's a revival going on there, Lord. There's a revival going on. I used to be for a revival, and I'm just stuck here now. And then a chariot goes by. Oh, the Lord says, go up, go, go over there. So he dashes over there, gets the, the chariot, and he hears this Ethiopian. It's the Chancellor of the Exchequer, of Queen Candice, right, from Ethiopia. Top woman, a top man. And he's reading his Isaiah 53. Wow, he was wounded for our transgressions. The, the punishment that was, should be on us was put on him. And he said, I don't know who this is. So Philip gets up onto the chariot. Notice this. He can serve with widows, practically. He can lead a revival. Or he can go one-to-one -one with some guy and just talk about Jesus from Isaiah 53. Don't you think that's humility? I don't need it, whatever. And this guy gets saved. And says, what's well, water here? Can we get baptised? So when Philip shared the gospel, what must he have mentioned in the gospel? That you must be baptised. I hope we've all been baptised if we're saved here. 
Because obviously, the, we don't know what Philip said, but it was enough to, for the guy to say, well, there's water here, get me baptized. So he baptizes him. And what happens? The gospel goes right into Africa. Suddenly, the gospel is now going into Africa. Wow, and it actually had to be the Charles of the Exchequer of Africa. Amazing. So Ethiopia, he goes to Ethiopia, and obviously we see the church coming alive there. Okay, is there bread and wine? I would say this to you, okay? Don't wait for a title. Don't wait for a microphone. Grab a towel. Don't live your life without the Holy Spirit filling you. As we break bread now, uh, Ben, it'd be lovely that we all take the bread. Uh, could we do that now? Yeah. On the night Jesus betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As we take this bread, I want you to know with absolute certainty that you are forever safe. That he is the bread of life. And he said, he who believed in me, when he talks about the bread of life, I will raise up on the last day. So your whole future is sorted right in terms of it all ends happily ever after. It's true. It all ends happily ever after. My Jane, she's fine. She's better than ever. But when we take this, we're saying, Lord, I need to be sustained by your bread of life through my day and all through my life. So as we take this, say, Jesus, thank you, you died for me, but you are now my living bread. Amen? Amen. Let's take it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, you bought us with a price. Everyone in this room, Lord, belongs to you now. You own us. And Lord, you're the safest person to give our lives to because you're not clingy, you're gloriously freeing. And I pray, Lord, that you'd fill us by your spirit today, Lord. Pray, Lord, as we move into an area now of drinking the cup, I pray that the, the new covenant life will come upon us. He said after supper, notice, he took the cup. So this is a new covenant. It's not to do with rules, not to do with um, laws, actually to do with my blood, cleansing you, forgiving you. It brings you into a whole new agreement and I'll never leave you. For better or for worse, sickness and health, which you're poorer, forsaking all others. It's, it's almost a love that if you were the only person there was on the planet, that's how much he loves you. And you think, this is shocking. This is disarming. But this is true. And the more you get it into your system, that he loves you, incomplete as you are, the more you'll drink this and think, wow, I'm going to drink this with Jesus in the new heavens and new earth. Wonderful, isn't it? Mm. The, blood the blood covers you completely. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> He's full of it. Okay. Just, just, we're going to sing the blessing on one another. Do you know the blessing? Yes, Deuteronomy, numbers in there, of, of Moses. The Lord bless you and keep you. I want us to sing it as it were to each other. You know, often we're singing most of the time to the Lord, but this is a song where 
We're asking the Lord to bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Yeah. And for your children, your children's children. Do you know the song? Yeah. I want us to, as we stand, don't get bashful, don't yeah. get cheesy, but get up and just, just pray this blessing on one another. Just look yeah. at someone in the room and say, yeah, Lord bless you. Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Lord bless you. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you.